Good evening, church. Uh, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> it's so great to see all of you. I'm Corey. I'm the senior pastor here at Third Church, and I want to say welcome to all of you. This has been a really fun night. We've already had uh, three services so far, and another one after you guys, and it's just been so fun to see all of these people. Um, lots and lots of folks who obviously have been part of our church family for a long time, and then there's been tons of folks who um, have, been, have come back uh, to celebrate tonight, and there's family members, and there's college students who are here in town, and um, it's just a beautiful celebration. And I'm super aware that um, among us, there's people who are Christians and have been Christians for many years, and there's people who are not Christians, and I know that some of you probably even don't, not, not sure what you believe, and I just want you to know that you are welcome here. Uh, and that God loves you, and that God has a purpose for you being here tonight. Christians believe that Christmas is one of the great celebrations. We've spent four weeks in Advent building up to, waiting for this day, and we're celebrating that God has penetrated our world. And so we throw a party for basically 12 days. It's the 12 days of Christmas are about, because we're just so dang excited that God has come among us. So let me pray, and we're going to spend just a few moments uh, reflecting on what Christmas all is all about. So let me pray. Father, we just are so thankful uh, that we can be together just for a few moments tonight to reflect on the meaning of Christmas. We pray that you, your spirit would be very present here tonight among us and that you would open our hearts and our minds so that we might truly believe what it is that we're celebrating here tonight and live our lives uh, with obedience and love. We pray this in Christ's name. I love Christmas time, as I'm sure that you guys probably do as well. And one of the best things about Christmas is just the, the, the way it feels. You know what I'm talking about? Like the, the, the warm kind of sentimentality of it all, the, the warmth and the, and the happiness that all the lights and the tinsel and the carols and all of this creates in us. My family loves this too. Um, every Thanksgiving, we go down to my family's, uh, my mom and dad's house just outside of Asheville, North Carolina. And over the last few years, we've developed sort of an accidental tradition that we didn't ever intend to start, but after Thanksgiving meal, we basically just all flop on the sofas in the family room and for about two days, just binge watch uh, Christmas movies on the Hallmark Channel. And um, I don't know if you've ever seen a Christmas movie on the Hallmark Channel or really ever seen any movie on the Hallmark Channel, but um, they are truly deplorable. Um, just, just horrible films. Um, <laughs> apologies to any Hallmark producers in the, in the house tonight, but um, and, and they really are terrible. It's just like the same script over and over again. They just plug in a couple of different characters in a different setting, and, that, and that's it. But they're so, they just make you feel so good, and that's why we just can't stop watching them, because everything is so wonderful, and, and everything's so magical, and everybody's so good-looking in, in, you know, the whole town, even the elderly people, everybody. And, um, and the guy always gets the girl, and the girl always gets the guy. And, um, and it's always snowing, no matter where they are, right? If they're in New Hampshire or Alabama, it's always snowing, right? And so, um, and that's what we love about Christmas. We love just the way it makes us feel. It feels like sort of a, a, a cozy, warm blanket that you can wrap yourself up in. Now, I, I, I'm here tonight, and I don't want to be a Scrooge tonight, and I don't want to throw a wet blanket on your happy Christmas feelings. I just want to point out that when you really read and listen to the true Christmas stories, like the one we just heard read in, in Matthew 1 and like the ones in Luke 1 and 2, when you really listen to these stories, what you realize is 
is that they are completely lacking and missing any of the, the warmth and the coziness and the sentimentality that we associate with Christmas. And it, actually, if you, I don't know if y'all really heard that story. I mean, it's kind of PG-13. Um, it's a little scandal. I mean, here's a young kid, you know, Joseph, probably, probably about 19 years old, engaged to his girlfriend. He's probably about 14 or 15 at the time. Uh, discovers she's pregnant. He knows it's not him. He's super freaked out by it. You know, he decides, I gotta end this now and I gotta do it quietly because I don't wanna create a fuss for me or for her. And then he goes to sleep that night and he has this crazy dream where an angel confronts him and basically tells him, actually, it's not a scandal, it's cool, she's with you and you're gonna be God's dad and, uh, and, and, and your whole life is about to get completely turned upside down. And so for Joseph and for Mary, for these teen kids, y'all, it's not warm fuzzies. It, it, this first Christmas does not feel like a warm blanket. It feels more like a, a, a plunge into an icy stream. Because for these two, at least, Christmas blew up their life. Christmas turned their, their lives inside out. They, they, would never, they would never be the same. So what if it's supposed to be that way for all of us? What if Christmas is not just like this sentimentality? but that Christmas is actually about an event that happened in which God invaded into your life and our world and is meant to turn your life upside down too. And I wanna suggest to you tonight that that's what it is. That's what Christmas is. It's that kind of disruptive event. And, And it all is centered in a single word. This word up here that appeared in verse 23, Emmanuel. Emmanuel, one single word. That's the word that summarizes all of what Christmas means. It's, in some ways, it's what summarizes all of the Christian faith. In some ways, it summarizes the meaning of reality, the meaning of life. One word, Hebrew, three words in English, God with us, God with us. So uh, what I wanna do is I just wanna, um, I know that it's late and you wanna go home and eat and watch Hallmark movies. So, um, <laughs> just kidding. Um, what I want to do is just kind of walk, just briefly walk through each of these three words, God with us, and, and see what it suggests to us about why we're here tonight. Okay, so the first is, the first is God, God. Um, let me just explain to you just for a real moment, as, as simply as I know how, what Christians believe that Christmas really is. There may be some of you here who've never even been to a church before. Let me just try to explain it. Um, So Christians actually believe that Christmas is the day that God, the God who created everything and who is beyond everything and who sustains everything, the God that we cannot see, the God who is so other than us, so different than us, that he is even beyond our capacity to understand, that this God actually chose at one particular point in time to become a human being and live like one of us among us. Uh, Christians believe that God is a trinity, three persons and one God. I will not explain that tonight. Um, but we actually believe that there was about 2,000 years ago in a particular place in a neighborhood just outside of Jerusalem in the Podunkville of a little town that nobody never heard of, that God the Father sent God the Son filled with God the Spirit and that this God actually became a human being to live like one of us. You know, all the other stuff, good cheer, goodwill to men, you know, all that's secondary compared to this, that Jesus is actually God in the flesh. Now, 
Some folks discount this. They say, actually, the Bible never really ever claims that Jesus is God. But actually, right here in the text, it does. If you look with me, um, right here in verse 21, the angel says, Mary will give birth to his son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now, if you're a first century Jew, that's crazy talk, y'all. Jews, of all people, believe that no human being can save another human being from sin. The entire Old Testament is built upon the premise that only God can save people from sin. The entire sacrificial system is built upon the idea that only God can save people from sin. And yet here's this angel saying, this kid, he will do what the entire Old Testament says that only God can do. He will save people from sin. Because this is not just a human, this is God in the flesh. God with us. Let me... um, tell you, a lot of funny things have happened to me in 2019. Let me tell you about the funniest and weirdest thing that happened to me in 2019. So early in 2019, I started getting some funny like direct messages on my social media accounts from people that I didn't know, um, saying things to me like, hey, Mr. Widmer, we'd like to talk to you about your football career. And I was, I just, I thought it was weird and strange and I thought it was a joke. I ignored it. And then a few months later, uh, a friend of mine said, hey, man, you got to check this out because apparently there's like a, a, a retired linebacker who played in the Giants named Corey Widmer. Um, and, um, and, and all of these like sports engine accounts and uh, uh, even Wikipedia is starting to mash up the two of you. Um, in fact, if you go, I just screenshot this today. If you go to, uh, it says Corey Widmer, football player. I am a former American football linebacker who played my (laughs) entire eight-year career with the New York Giants. Um, I actually was contacted by a sports radio host a couple of months ago asking to interview me about my football career. I was so close to doing it. I just (laughs) thought that would be, wouldn't that be amazing? Anyway, so, um, so, Here's the situation. There's two Corey Widmers. Okay, obviously there's more than that, but I'm just, just go with me here. So there's two Corey Widmers. Corey A uh, is big and strong and fast and rich. Okay? <laughs> Corey A. Corey B is not. Uh, and, 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 and these two Coreys, they're not interchangeable. They're not exchangeable. They're not mashable, right? You can't just like sub one in and out for the other. In fact, these two Corys are entirely different people. They're completely different. In some ways, they're antithetical to each other. Uh, you do not want Corey B to show up when you need a linebacker. You know what I mean? I mean, just look at me. Anyway, um, so why am I telling you this? I, I'm trying to use this as an example to describe the kind of identity confusion that Jesus Christ himself often undergoes in our world today. You know, The the Jesus that is presented in the Bible, in the New Testament, in this story, throughout all the Gospels, is Jesus who is God in the flesh. Jesus who is God with us. That's Jesus A. But there's another Jesus out there. Let's call him Jesus B. You know, more than 90% of Americans believe that Jesus Christ was an actual, real, historical figure who lived in Palestine 2,000 years ago. But... Barna just put out some new research that shows that less than 50% of Americans my age and younger actually believe that he was actually God. They believe, so in other words, many, many people believe, uh, and they have the right to believe it, that Jesus is a regular guy who was, uh, who was an actual person who was just a great religious teacher and an extraordinary human being uh, and someone who founded a great world religion. In the same uh, spectrum of Muhammad or Confucius, 
or Buddha. Now, let me explain to you. That's Jesus B. Okay, Jesus A and Jesus B are not mashable. They, they cannot be exchanged for one another. Uh, you can't mix and match them or sub them in and out for one another. They are actually two completely different figures, if not actually antithetical to one another. No religious leader, not Muhammad, not Buddha, not Confucius, none, no religious leader showed up and actually claimed to be God. They said they were from God, that they spoke on behalf of God, that they're here to teach you how to get to God. But then compare that to Jesus Christ and the angel who says, this person who is born unto you is not just from God, is not just speaking on behalf of God, but actually is God himself. He's not come from God to teach you how to get to God. He is God himself who's come to get to you. Are you following me here? And so, so in some ways, this, this encapsulates the whole message of Christianity. Because Christianity teaches that you're not good enough. You can't ever be good enough. You can't uh, work your way up to God. You can't set yourself free from your own sin. You can't escape your own death. You can't get up to heaven. Heaven's got to come down and get to you. And that's the good news of Christmas that Christians celebrate, that Jesus is not Jesus B. He's Jesus A. He is God in the flesh. In fact, Jesus B can't do anything for you. He can't save you. He can't die for your sin. He can't raise from the dead for you. He can't rescue you. He can't forgive you. He can't set you free. What we need is God in the flesh. We need Jesus Emmanuel. Is that the Jesus that you believe in? All of you who've come here tonight, is that the Jesus that you, that's the God, that's the Jesus that you're being invited to trust in tonight. Jesus who is God in the flesh. Okay, that's, Jesus is God. Second though, Jesus is God with, God with. This is the, this is the really tender part of Christmas that I love. This, what this says is that God did not just become a human being, he became a vulnerable and fragile child. He actually came among us to actually share the human situation with us, to actually enter into our deepest pain and darkness. He's God with us. I was, I guess about three weeks ago, four weeks ago, was holding my new little nephew. It was actually the first time in a long time I've held a baby. We're way past that stage, thanks be to God. Um, but, I, you know, I was holding my little nephew, and it had been a while since I'd held a baby, and I was just struck by how incredibly fragile and dependent and weak and vulnerable and utterly dependent this, this little human is. And it just struck me freshly that, that this, that God chose to manifest himself. When God entered into our world, he didn't come as a hurricane or a king or a prince or a dramatic, but he came as a poor, vulnerable, fragile child. That's how committed God was to come into our experience and share it with us. My friend, uh, Christine, told me a story about her friend who's a teacher in the Dallas public school system, and she works with kids with serious uh, visual impairments, and she works with them and their parents. And she was really struggling to come up with a way to help these parents grow in empathy and the way that they cared for their children. And so what she did is she went to a, an optician in Dallas and she asked him, do you think you could make a pair of glasses that perfectly mimics the exact visual impairment that each of these children live with? He thought about it, he said, yeah, I, I think I could do that. So, so that's what he did. He made 
19 individual sets of glasses, each one that perfectly reflected the exact visual distortions and impairments that each of these children lived with. And the day came uh, for them to be tried on. And um, all of the 19 children were there, and all of their parents were there. Uh, and each of the parents took turns putting the glasses on, seeing the world through the eyes of the children for the very And everybody was weeping. Uh, the parents were weeping because it was the first time they finally understood what their children were living with every day. And all the kids were weeping because it was the first time that they actually felt known and they actually felt understood by their mom and dad. And it was just this beautiful moment of, of empathic, compassionate, mutual love. And this is what Christmas is. This is God putting on the glasses of his kids, uh, pu putting on the, the flesh of his children. God, have y'all ever thought about it? God knows what it's like to be you. Are you lonely this Christmas? So, so was God. Are you um, estranged from your family and you're kind of grieving that? So is God. Are, do you feel afraid? So worried that you're sick? So is God. Are you, um, do you feel forsaken by God, wondering where he is? God's felt that way too. Do, do, you, are you, do, do you look into the next couple years and you actually think that the end of your life might be before you? God had to face that too. And so what we get in the Christmas God is not like a magical uh, uh, sort of magic wand to take away your pain and your suffering, but what you get is a God who actually, it's actually what you need. It's a God who comes alongside you in your pain and in your suffering to bear it up with you and ultimately to redeem it. Only Christianity, y'all, only Christianity gives you a God that takes the pain, the sorrow, the suffering, and the brokenness of our world so seriously that he decided to come and actually bear it himself. I love what um, the Japanese poet Edward Shalito wrote. He said, the other gods were strong, but thou was weak. They rode, but thou didn't stumble to a throne. But to our wounds, only God's wounds can speak. And not a God has wounds, but thou alone. Christianity gives you a God with flesh who can be cut, torn, wounded, and killed. And this is the God that we get at Christmas. God with. But there's one last word, and that's us. Who is the us? Who is the us that God has come to be with? Are you a part of the us? Uh, the, the Jewish folks at the time thought that they were the us. It was people of a particular race, particular culture. Uh, the religious leaders at the time thought they were the us. It's the good people, the religious people, the people with a good moral pedigree. So is that the us? You know, only people of a particular race and culture or religious or moral report card? No. Guess what? Joseph was a part of the us. Uh, just a, a blue collar working stiff trying to hold his family together. Mary was a part of the us. A, a, an unwed teenage mom worried about the future. The shepherds were in the us. The, the, the dirty, rotten scoundrels of the first century who were not even allowed into the temple. They're in the us. The magi are in the us. The pagans who come from afar just with their questions. They're in the us. In other words, this is like the most inclusive, welcome 
possible that anybody can be in the us. And actually, the only qualification to be in the us, get this, the only qualification to be in the us is nothing. All you need is nothing. And this is what the religious leaders didn't have. They thought they had something. But what you actually need to be a Christian is nothing. <laughs> it means to come to God and say, nothing in my hand I bring. Uh, I, I have nothing that deserves your favor. I have nothing that qualifies me to be a part of your family. All I have is my sin and my brokenness and my shame and my guilt and my questions and my doubts and my fears. Here they are. I trust in you. God says, welcome to the us. Welcome to the us. It's, it's beautiful, friends, that everyone in and through Jesus Christ is welcome to be part of the us that God has come for. Are you a part of the us? So friends, this, this is what Christmas is. It is Emmanuel. It is God with us. And this is an invasion of hope into our world that must never leave us the same again. If this is true, it means courage and hope for all of us and for our dark world. I love that the angel says uh, in verse 20 to Joseph, you might have missed this, but he says, do not be afraid. Do you know that that is the most often given command by God in scripture? Not, you know, don't do bad things, but do not be afraid. Why? Because God knows the world is scary. And he knows that death is scary. And he knows that your future is scary. And he knows that life is scary. And yet he's given us himself, God with us. He's given us the great, amazing truth that God has come to live with us, to bear our suffering, to enter into our darkness, to come alongside us in our pain, to take our sin upon himself, to die our death, to rise to our life, to reign over the world for us. He promises to come again and to make all things new. Emmanuel, with that truth, you can have the courage and the hope to face any darkness. Uh, John Wesley, who was the great founder of the Methodist Church, when he died, reportedly the last words on his lips were these. He said, the best is this, God with us. He died with Emmanuel on his lips. He faced one of the greatest human nightmares, death itself, with the great truth that God with us was singing in his heart. So that's, that's my prayer for you, that you would leave tonight and that you would go into this new year with that great truth on your lips, in your mind, in your heart, that great truth that God is with you, that God loves you, God is for you, and that will give you the hope not just to face death, but to face anything in life. God with us, pleased as man with us to dwell, Jesus, our Emmanuel. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you that this night we celebrate this astonishing fact that you came to be among us, one of us, fully God yet fully man, uh, to not just bear our pain but ultimately to redeem it and to redeem us and our sin. Lord, I do pray that if there's anyone here tonight um, who's maybe just come as a visitor or who's come as an obligation to a family member, that they would really hear this good news, that you love them and that you are for them and that despite what they might feel, you actually 
deeply care for them, that you have come alongside them, and that you desire to know them intimately. I pray that there would be some tonight who trust in you, Jesus Emmanuel. We pray that in Christ's name. Amen.